After leaving teaching because of some serious burnout, she vowed to build the community she wished existed when she needed it most. She went from classroom teacher to an educational consultant, instructional designer, and six-figure business owner. Now, she's here to help you achieve happiness and work-life balance, whether inside or outside the classroom. Come join our discussion as we talk about managing teacher burnout, career transitions outside the classroom, starting a side hustle, and everything in between. Here's your host of the Teacher Career Coach Podcast and your new personal cheerleader, Daphne Gomez. Welcome to the Teacher Career Coach Podcast. I'm your host, Daphne Gomez. And in this episode, I interview Abby Clements. She is a survivor of the Sandy Hook shooting, and she's one of the founders of Teachers Unified to End Gun Violence. This already is an extremely heavy topic, and we had actually scheduled this meeting, coincidentally, what fell on the day after another school shooting. So the day before this interview took place, a school shooting happened where the shooter killed three children and three adults at a private Christian school in Nashville. So this is opening up the gun debate again. If you are like me and you are frustrated and overwhelmed and you feel like nothing is happening, I hope that this episode can help direct you in some ways to advocate and to fight for change. Hi, Abby. Thank you so much for coming on today. Thank you so much for having me. We had planned on having this discussion already and had this on the books. I think we've rescheduled a couple times now, but I am so sad, but not surprised that there was another tragedy that just happened yesterday, which brought this front and center again. I want to just kind of start off with just who you are and your experience in education and why you started your organization. Again, thank you so much for having me on your podcast. And hello out there to all educators or former educators or potential educators. This is a tough time to be in teaching. So we do our best for our kids (laughs) and for ourselves. So. I was a second grade teacher at Sandy Hook School in Newtown, Connecticut on December 14th, 2012, when the shooting happened at my school. And this shooting shocked the world, changed education for everyone, whether it was a parent sending their child off to school or an educator walking into a classroom every day, now fearing this might happen to them. Even though we knew, right, gun violence happened, I think the tragedy at Sandy Hook School really shook educators and families to their core. So all in all, I've been a teacher for my 31st year of teaching. And for the last 10 years, my sort of how do you move forward in this has been advocacy, has been working to try to stop these tragedies from happening. And sometimes I think like, why did I choose this? Because like, it's really hard and we have more guns than people. So how are we really going to make these changes? And the gun lobby is strong and literally writes our gun laws. And we see tragedies that happen that don't change the hearts and minds of legislators. And it's just infuriating and it's disheartening and it feels futile. But I think for me, it was just so much was taken away 
on that day, like who just like I was and that safety that I felt, whether that was really true to where we are in this country or not. You know, I, I, Newtown is a, is a beautiful town, quintessential New England town, raising my kids there. And like, I was just a teacher. I've always been a teacher. So I could, my summer's off with them. And, and then sometimes they say when that control is taken away and now people are making decisions for you. As we know, in a district, they're not always what the teachers would do. We have little power kind of even in that system. So we look at like nationally on this issue, same kind of thing. And then like in our microcosm of a school or in the school district. So now people are making these decisions and and you're coming back and you're forever changed. I think for me, the advocacy was trying to like, take control of this and say, well, I'm going to do whatever I can and try to be creative and help organize people to like know who to vote for and do whatever I can, small steps to help make a change. And I, I did that for 10 years. I worked with Moms Demand Action, which I loved, loved everything I did with moms and the Everytown Survivor Network. So let's talk a little bit about your work with them. What is it that they do? So Moms Demand Action for Gun Sense in America is no doubt the largest gun violence prevention organization in the country. It is a powerful system of mothers and others who, through a chapter in every single state, towns like you can find one close to you who are doing whatever they can, whether it's like organizing phone banks, tabling at farmers markets, showing up at town halls. And I mean, I think at this point they have like 8 million supporters. But the really great thing about Moms Demand Action is as a volunteer leader, you learn these skills, these organizing skills that are like just so important in any social movement, in the gun violence prevention movement. And you have an opportunity to do lots of different things. So being a volunteer leader there is really cool. And you can try out different things and see what you like. And so is that where you really started to build the foundation to understand how to build your own nonprofit organization? Definitely. I mean, I never had an intention to start my own. I loved being a Moms Demand Action volunteer leader. And I helped organize local groups in my state. I did trainings, which I loved because it kind of combined my teaching and my passion for this movement. And then something happened. One more school shooting, this time in Oxford, Michigan, in November of 2021. And I was texting with two of my friends, another, an activist, New York City teacher, and a survivor of the Parkland tragedy. And we were angry, sad, just absolutely distraught over yet another heinous act that has now destroyed more lives directly and indirectly. And we were texting and it was like, I just remember saying like, it's like a hamster wheel. You're on it for a while and you just keep, and then like you hop off and then like you're back on it. And now we're like 
talking about another shooting and, you know, thoughts and prayers and yelling at Congress people. And, and then, you know, we forget it for a while. And, and then I said, you know, it is time. And we also said, and we never hear from the teachers or we very rarely hear from the teachers. Not that the teachers don't want to have a voice, but that the voices, I feel like selectively silent when it comes to the media and people talking about this issue. It's the parents, it's the legislators, it's the rights, but not how the teachers feel. I agree. Yeah. And I think there are complicated levels for that, like issues of confidentiality. You know, you want to protect, you don't want to say anything. We're, we're always, t- we're taught that from the way beginning as teachers. You don't say a student's name in a meeting, you're in an email. So I think there it's that partly, but I think it's a voice that is neglected on this issue. And I remember in that group text just saying, it is time to, we're just going to have to start our own organization for teachers, by teachers. I was kind of waiting for that for 10 years and it just was not happening. I felt included in all the gun violence prevention that I did, but we feel that there was something missing in the gun violence prevention movement about folks who are in the schools, on the front lines with the sole, the number one priority is the safety of their children. This is a situation that happens far too regularly and teachers are freaked out and they don't have a voice. And it's one of the many reasons why so many teachers are leaving is they do not feel safe. They do not feel like they're supported if they do actually raise some sort of concerns, valid concerns about things that are going on in their school. And I am so excited to talk about what you guys are doing because it is something that I feel like you said is just not being talked about. And it's because schools are trying to brush it under the rug as well. They don't want parents to find out that unsafe things are happening at schools or that people are incompetent, that students might not be as safe. And then there is this external factor going on of, you know, gun rights lobbyists in the United States that are making things obviously much, much worse because there are actual threats out there. Can you tell me a little bit about how the Teachers Unify to End Gun Violence actually works and how you guys are working to address the issue of gun violence in schools? So we've been incorporated. We've been a nonprofit for a little over a year only. And our mission, which we actually got our first grant recently to work on our strategic plan. That's what we're in the middle of right now, which is actually really helpful, really, really helpful to kind of narrow our mission and our goals. Because as we know on this issue, like there's not one group that's going to end gun violence. It's going to be a tapestry of folks who are working on this issue And so knowing like where our place is in the movement, which actually we consider ourselves a bridge connecting the education space and the gun violence prevention movement. 
And so we're, I think, really unique in that way. And so our mission is actually to empower educators to demand that their communities are safe from gun violence. And so having that narrowed mission, we really think it's important to meet teachers where they're at. And so where is that? That is like, they are busy, sometimes doing two jobs, juggling, you know, kids, homework, lesson plans, grading, and they probably won't have time to go to rallies. And maybe it's hard for a teacher to stand there with a sign in their town. They might see parents and we know how difficult things are right now. Politically, it shouldn't be a political issue, but it is. Yeah. So what demands can teachers make? at a school level, at a local level, like what are your suggestions for the smallest, most reasonable asks to the most firm asks? We're working on resources to do exactly that. We actually just did a share my lesson session for their virtual conference. And what we talked about there was caring for children, caring how to care for students after gun violence or the threat of gun gun violence. And we had had a meeting with student survivors of school shootings, and we took their words and what they said helped them. Who are the teachers? What did they do to help you move through the aftermath? See, what you don't hear about in the news often, unless it's a one-year anniversary, maybe a five-year, is like, what does the aftermath look like in a school for all those people who've been exposed to this incident? And so we talked with these students and we took we like, what are the takeaways from like those classrooms that really nurtured these terrible experiences, either like these horrible drills that they have to go through or actual instances, whether it was in in the community or in the school. And so we put all that together as a resource, like how to be empowered to care for students, because we're often like, you know, getting in touch with the counselors and but also to advocate for these students and to say to your principal, like, these are some of the signs of some of the concerns I'm seeing in my classroom, and they really need more help that we could get. So that's one resource. Like, what can teachers do to help make their classrooms safe kind of spaces to process these difficult things that go on? And some of the other resources that we're working on, too, are like how to advocate for drills that are non-traumatic in themselves. I mean, because... yeah. If we're trying to protect kids from gun violence and yet we're traumatizing them in these drills that are supposed to teach them how to take care of themselves, even though there's really no evidence that those work, how can you advocate? What are some models that work pretty well and that are trauma-free? So we're working on that. And then hopefully what that'll do is that'll help empower teachers to advocate for other things, right? Besides like maybe directly gun violence issues so that that we learn somehow that it's okay to ask for things that we know are important for us and for our kids. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. I know that I've seen on the news recently some of the different types of drills that they're using are also very traumatizing to teachers because teachers are afraid. And that's the biggest thing right now is teachers who are supposed to be this like voice of reason and like the calming people in the classroom, they don't feel safe. 
how are they supposed to make the students feel protected if they don't feel like they have the resources that they need to feel safe in their own classrooms? What is your message to the policymakers or the public about the urgency to address the issue of gun violence in schools? And what types of like actions do you believe need to be taken in order to achieve meaningful progress on this issue? I think the message is that they need to come around. They need to go to these communities where these traumas occur and meet with people over and over again to see what life is like after, what it's like for you to continue working in a school or a district that has been where everyone has been impacted or in a school where there's some horrible, you know, community gun violence. What is it like so that they have this deep picture that they're just clearly not seeing. And we want them to know that just like we did through the pandemic, our priority is students, but hardening schools, making them fortresses with where they're not feeling safe, right? Whether it's because of metal detectors or armed guards, that is not the answer. Arming teachers is not the answer. Incredibly dangerous. What do you think that the individuals and communities can do to help support your efforts? We've been asking educators who joined us to allow us to post their narratives, short quotes about how they feel about this issue. They are so powerful. We have about 75 to 80 of these graphics and the power is within the educator. We know educators get stuff done. Educators are, we are smart. We are curious. We are excellent listeners. All the things you know how to do as a teacher. This is what makes a great activist, someone who can stand up and say, this is not right. You need to listen to my colleagues across the country and you can leave your name off of it. You can leave your state, your town, you can leave your last name off of it. But I feel like amplifying the voices of teachers is one of our main ways to get across what it's like for educators who are on the front line of this public health crisis. Yeah. And I feel like I heard you say something that I've been thinking since I met you, (laughs) that teachers make great advocates. And part of it is you went through this incredible tragedy. Like you are the, the prime example of this to me is like a teacher's heart is the type of person that instead of figuring out how to take care of themselves and how to completely support themselves, their initial reaction in one of these types of crisis situations is how do I support other people? What can I do to change this? How do I help other people? And I feel like that is a teacher's heart and that is why they make such incredible advocates as well is your gut instinct is what can I do to change this? How can we put our brains together and make this better for other people so they don't feel what I feel instead of you taking 
a leave of absence. It's not working in the classroom anymore and taking all the last 20 years just to heal and never think about it again. You're putting yourself back in that situation again and again to make sure that you can make a change for other people. And I think that that's one of the best characteristics of a teacher or a former teacher and why I think so many people are going to be empowered by what you have to say and want to help support your mission as well. When it comes to the types of advocacy that you're doing, are you encouraging teachers not just to share their story, but also to write their legislators? Yeah, absolutely. We want to like have a myriad of ways for people to get involved, which I think those are the successful groups, right? That have something for everyone. If you're shy and you want to write postcards, if you're very gregarious and you want to get on the phone with people, then you could do that. So that's what we're hoping as we grow and we gain resources. Those are some of the things that we hope to do. And we also hope to have a consortium of teachers from different states. So when bills come up, dangerous or wonderful, that we can like bring those folks out to like testify in support or against bills because who but a teacher knows what the implications of these laws can be and the good things and the bad things, the bad laws that happen, we have to fight and the good laws we have to like push like crazy. So we're really hoping to kind of boots on the ground and we're building that. We have educators and school staff from every single state who have joined us. And so that's really exciting. There are times like we'll get a phone call and say like, you know, do you have anybody from... California who might be able to speak to this and then we can, you know, see if people are up for that and what they would be willing to do. So that's one way to amplify the educator voice. And there are so many people that are in this community right now that are looking for nonprofit organizations or they're looking for volunteer opportunities, whether this is self-serving so that they can potentially put it on a resume that they did some project management or they did some web design or content creation or worked as an instructional designer to put together materials and learning resources, this might be an opportunity if you are looking for some sort of people who are going to help you with this mission that understand this mission, that are very passionate about it, but also potentially want to work in a different type of capacity outside of the classroom as well. Do you have opportunities like that that you can think of where other people's skills beyond just being a teacher might be helpful for your nonprofit? Absolutely. I mean, from every little corner, all of these steps are so new to us, from budgeting to creating slideshows and graphics to maintaining our website. It's like begging friends who've been in alongside me in this aftermath for 10 years. I'm like, could you please help me on this? Could you please help me on this? We're starting to build a core ambassador program for people who are really passionate about gun violence prevention, who might want to perhaps have really great ideas on how to talk about this issue or already doing this in their communities. They want to have like Teachers Unify kind of in the purview, like we have three ambassadors who our hope here is that they can attend like 
education conferences and talk about this issue. I think 10 years ago, we wouldn't have been invited to some education conferences. And we have, including the one we just did, three coming up within the next few months. So I think the time is now. And if anybody wants to get involved, please email us at info at teachersunified.org. Yeah, it's great to be doing something that you're really passionate about. I've done some volunteer work outside of the classroom myself. And it's if you're looking for nonprofit work, community work, professional development trainer experience, these are all really great ways to do to couple that with something that you really want to fight for and something that you want to spend time helping other people with. So I'm just grateful that you are open to people coming and especially teachers or former teachers coming to help support you. Other than volunteer efforts, helping by sharing their stories, is there somewhere that they can actually donate to help you fund your mission? Yes, that would be so amazing. We're grateful for every donation, big or small, on our website, which is www.teachersunify.org. There's a place for you to donate through Pledge, which is an incredible organization that a fundraising platform for nonprofits. We're grateful that they took us on. So that would be wonderful. Other people have started Facebook fundraisers like for birthdays, and that has been like incredibly successful. This surprised me a lot how I think it's like your friends see what you're passionate about and then they want to give. And we've been really grateful to a few friends who have done that. And we really appreciate any donation. We're heading to Louisville and Washington, D.C. this summer. And we were able to get our union to sponsor us, which was a big relief because the National Teachers Conference in Louisville is not funded at all. And so we have four of us who are going to present. But the donations that are coming in now are really going to be helpful for some like meals and to make sure that the ambassadors are fully covered, like not just the hotel and and the registration fee. We want to make sure that they're not using any of their own money. So thank you so much for being able to uh, talk about that part, because that's the kind of not fun part is how much money these things cost. Like we want to kickstart a back to school, even if it's an online event where people can log into some sessions and to even get a platform, it just costs a lot. All those operational pieces are quite costly. And so we're really working on expanding our fundraising and peer-to-peer colleague-to-colleague connections to help with that. Well, I'm hoping that the exposure, (laughs) the podcast, the community can help you get some of these projects going because I know that there are so many people who are equally passionate about this. And Abby, I cannot thank you enough for coming on. I know that this is a really heavy topic and is just incredibly inspiring to meet you, to be able to talk to you and to just learn about what you've been doing from a terrible tragedy to help try and prevent tragedies in the future. And thank you so much for taking the time to be here today. Oh, I cannot thank you enough for having me. Thank you so much. I just want to give a huge thank you to Abby for coming on and sharing her story and for everything that she's doing to 
advocate to help others in this situation. If you want to find Teachers Unify to end gun violence, you can go to teachersunify.org. Thank you so much for being a listener of the Teacher Career Coach Podcast, and we'll see you on the very next episode.